everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Metro Podcast. My name is Jared Weintraub, and I'm here with Kirsten Mosier. Kirsten is a New York-based consultant at Hogan Assessment Systems. In her fourth year at Hogan, she works with consulting companies and recruiting firms to help their clients develop more effective leaders and hire better performing employees. She has a BS in human development from Cornell University and an MA in IO psychology from Hofstra University. Like most people, she has had a nonlinear career, having worked as a commercial property underwriter, an entrepreneur, done consulting work for Mercer Sirota, and taught statistics at SUNY Old Westbury. She's a member of Metro, as well as the Society of Industrial and Organizational Psychology. And she's spoken in front of industry groups such as the International Coaching Federation, Association for Talent and Development, Society for Consulting Psychologists, and the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychologists Leading Edge Consortium. When she's not working, you can find her on the paddle tennis court. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kirsten Mosier to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kirsten. Thank you, Jared. I'm excited to be here. So I just, uh, you know, told the audience a little bit about you, but we'd love to hear more about your in your own words. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, your current job, maybe things about your family or hobbies that you'd like to share with us? Sure. I am a consultant at Hogan Assessments. And I work on the solutions partners team, meaning our um, our clients are consulting companies that use Hogan with their clients. We have other teams at Hogan that approach clients directly or that approach them through our international distributors, but we're basically, we call ourselves the consultants consultants. So companies like Deloitte um, that then use Hogan with their clients are um, partners of ours. So that's my current position. I've been there for four years. I live in New York. Uh, where uh, I have been um, actually since grad school. Hogan's headquartered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, but they're now hiring a lot more people that are working remotely, especially after COVID. Mm-hmm. I have two boys uh, who are who are grown, and my hobbies, I would say I play paddle tennis, otherwise known as platform tennis. I used to throw pottery and and paint oil paintings and you know this whole artistic side that I haven't found an outlet for on Long Island, but I'm hoping to once the pandemic's over. And in terms of my professional background, I was a psych undergrad major. I was heading toward clinical. And when I was, uh, I think it was a sophomore, I was doing research um, at Cornell where I went and just was really frustrated with the fact that, you know, I think when you're younger, you're very, things are black and white. And that my research after a whole year came out to be null. And Mm -hmm. I was uh, a little frustrated by the fact that we could never get people into those perfect laboratory conditions. So therefore, psych was bogus. And then I went into business. So I graduated (laughs) and went into insurance um, underwriting and was in actually San Francisco was where I lived for quite some time. And I had some really interesting clients like sugar mills in Hawaii and electric utilities, and I went a mile underground in a hard rock silver mine. So I really got to kind of touch and feel business uh, and a lot of different businesses, which was uh, a neat learning experience. So I did that for uh, quite some time and then uh, got pregnant with my first son. And I approached my boss and I said, you know, can I do some work from home? And he's as a middle-aged guy, 
uh, without kids himself said no. And so then I had to make the choice. And so I ended up choosing to stay at home with my sons and raise them, um, which, you know, on one hand, it was it was tough to give up the career. And especially when I went back into the work world, it was tough to have had that huge pause. But on the other hand, I don't think I would have given up that time with my boys. Um, so when I decided that I wanted to get back into the work world, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do, which was pretty surprising given that, you know, I had lived quite some time as a middle-aged woman. So I really have a lot of sympathy for uh, young people who are either going into college, not knowing what major they want to have, or, you know, graduating, not really know what job they want to do, because it's hard to know. So I had, you know, done the undergrad in psych. I had done a couple of entrepreneurial um, uh, companies when I was a stay-at-home mom that I, I ran myself. Um, so I kind of felt like that had a little marketing piece there. And I was exploring things like being a nurse or going into law school. And then I was speaking to one of my paddle friends who happens to be uh, the head of the psych department um, at a local college. And she mentioned IO psychology. And I thought, wow, this is perfect because it blends, you know, all of these things that I had been doing since IO is, is pretty business focused. Mm -hmm. So I researched it and found that Hofstra was the one place on Long Island that had a master's program and uh, applied there and, and went through that program very happily and uh, now love this field. It's, it's really interesting, I think, because it's so applied. Uh, I don't think I would have had the patience to be a clinician. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's amazing. And then, so how did you end up in your current role? Was this your, your first role after graduating or how did you end up at Hogan? So I ended up, uh, my first role out of grad school was I was an adjunct professor at SUNY Old Westbury. And uh, there was a position open at Hogan for this consultant role. And I didn't know about it actually, but my, so when I was uh, in grad school at Hofstra, I had did an internship at Sirota. And mm -hmm. while I was there, I, I loved working there. Um, it was really interesting. I love the people. Uh, but I think about half month, uh, halfway through my 12 month internship, they got purchased by Mercer and Mercer put a hiring freeze. So I, I wasn't able to be hired by them. So I knew that at you know the end of the 12 months, I would be set loose and had to find my own way. Mm -hmm. uh, which, which I did, but then um, someone applied to this position at Hogan and they put my old boss at Sirota as a reference. And when they called, um, he kind of mentioned my name and um, they contacted me and I put my resume uh, you know, on the list and was able to go there and interview and, and uh, land the position. So that's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, and one thing I'll mention is, you know, this, um, my boss at Sirota, I had met at a Hofstra networking event. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's, you, you know. You just never know, yeah. You never know, you never know. That's, that's amazing, and so how long have you been at Hogan for now? And I'm in my fourth year with them. Wow, that's great, that's great. And so for, um, I guess, you know, everybody considering, you know, what their next career moves are, 
um, going to be. Um, what would you say are kind of like the most exciting parts of your job and some things that, you know, you, you might like tell people, hey, just so you know, like, you know, this is another aspect of the job that might not be your favorite aspect of it. I really appreciate this question because, you know, with any job comes kind of the things you love doing and then the things you're like, oh, God, I have to do this part of the job. So that's mm -hmm. honestly with any job, uh, it's that way. So the things I like the most uh, with this present job is, is when I get to help my clients help their clients. And mm -hmm. I also find the research that we do very interesting. So I'll give you an example. I have a client who had, was working with a nonprofit and the um, kind of the issue was they were hiring for a CFO, but the last few CFOs they hired had been a complete disaster. And so mm -hmm. they were looking for a more kind of objective way and also a way that was going to produce someone who's going to be a, a better performer. So they turned to us and we did a little, a little research project with them. We did a job analysis um, with something we call our JET, our job evaluation tool, which is a little survey. Mm -hmm. And so we did a focus group with some of their SMEs on the role. Uh, you know, what leads to success uh, as a CFO in this company. And it's, you know, it's different for every company. You'd think a CFO, you know, kind of would be similar, but sometimes it involves fundraising. Sometimes it involves, um, you know, kind of internally selling uh, the need to be more financially responsible. So it really does de depend and differ on, um, you know, the organization that you're working for. So mm -hmm. we did the focus groups and then we did surveys um, with those same SMEs and kind of developed a little profile of what a successful CFO would look like with this company. Now, ironically, at the time, the CEO was going through a bit of a tough time and he was, he was snapping back into his old way of hiring. So the Hogan results were showing clear people who kind of would have been better performers than others, but he was really kind of focusing on, you know, oh, I liked this person in the interview, or, you know, maybe we should get more diversity. And he was thinking of things other than what the Hogan data was showing. And mm -hmm. we really had to kind of snap him back and say, you know, the last three CFOs you've hired haven't been successful. You know, you came to us because we wanted a different approach. Here's the different approach. Here's what the data is telling us. And ultimately, he did end up going, you know, with the people that kind of the data had indicated um, would be the, the best performers. So I recently followed up with my client to say, you know, how is that all working out? And he assured me last week that he would um, reach out, but I haven't heard back yet. But it's really interesting when you get those kind of real life experiences. So I would... I would hold that up as one of kind of the funnest things uh, of my job. And mm -hmm. the, least, the least fun part for me, uh, because I'm not a process person, I'm not a detail person, are exactly those types of functions. So sometimes we have to you know, chase down um, clients that aren't paying the bills on time, or you know, we have for every process at Hogan, there's kind of five different exceptions. And, and they have to kind of remember all of them. And it's it's those kind of things that, um, you know, the paperwork, that kind of thing that I, I don't enjoy as much. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yes, I I, uh, I feel you on that as well. So 
that's true with every job. There's, you know, ups and downs. So we just got to kind of keep the good things in mind, right? When we're doing the things that we don't like. So yeah, I, I completely agree. So um, one thing I do want to mention is that Hogan has been a sponsor of Metro for a, a long time. And we're really grateful to them for that. And um, you are a Metro member and we're so grateful to have you as a member as well. Um, because this is the Metro podcast, I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about uh, your involvement in Metro, like how long you've been a member, how did you learn about it, and what do you like most about being a member of Metro? Sure. So Hofstra is pretty, I think, uh, has a big presence in Metro, and uh, Dr. Shahani was one of my professors, and she mentioned Metro and really encouraged the students to go as students. So that's what I did. And I don't know if it's been since 2015 or 2016 um, that I've been a member, but you know, somewhere in that area. And what I like the most about it is it it brings together, you know, local IOs and, and applied psychologists uh, for networking, but also it's a learning experience. Uh, some of you know the most fascinating presentations in IO I've I've learned about during the Metro meetings. So it's you know, it, a great opportunity for networking, especially for students. And also you know, for people who are, are no longer um, in, in school. So my involvement has been, you know, I've gone to the meetings. I was also on the career panel one year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm only a master's in IO, so I'm not eligible to um, participate in the board. But if that ever changed, you know, I might consider doing that as well because I really do like um, kind of the mission of the organization and how it's executed, and just uh, appreciate so much the opportunity, um, at least you know, on a monthly basis, to talk to fellow IOs and to learn something new. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great to know as well. Um, very, very exciting, and so. Over the past few years since you've been a member, um, have you seen you know the organization change at all? And has Metro itself kind of helped you in your professional or per personal life in any way? So I've in the past five years, I haven't seen it change all that much, although they did a wonderful job, I think, adapting to the pandemic. You know, when the <laughs> we we all felt so isolated and to have those metro meetings and especially the little, you know, 15 minutes or half hour um, kind of networking part before mm -hmm. I thought was wonderful and I, I thought it was very well handled. So I appreciate that very much. I think, you know, I think there's maybe a little bit of movement on allowing the master's um, people to be more involved. That might mm -hmm. be um, a shift, uh, but I haven't been involved, you know, for all that long to see kind of major, uh, major changes. Mm -hmm. Great. That's awesome. Uh, and so moving kind of more broadly to IO, um, what are some of the most exciting opportunities that you see for IO in the future? Well, big data is kind of a buzzword right now, but IO has always been about big data. So I kind of see it as an opportunity for us to kind of flex our expertise in this area. Uh, you know, convincing the HR world that we can create more objective measures for hiring um, that can increase the probability for high performance while also 
decreasing bias and discrimination in hiring. I think that's one of the huge opportunities we have um, as IO. You know, we are the study of human behavior in the workplace. And so we bring all sorts of attention and expertise, you know, to selection, to development, to leadership. Um, so we have, you know, a great wealth of knowledge. Um, and, and there's a lot of people that don't know we even exist. So, you know, I see it as a great opportunity just to educate um, the HR world. Um, the other kind of, I think, new thing that's developing is um, artificial intelligence, um, you know, and, and trying to bring that into, you know, hiring and, um, you know, even assessing personality via kind of your facial gestures over the computer. Uh, but I think, you know, we have to make sure that we're holding them to the standard of showing that those things actually do what they say they do. Um, you know, there's uh, the facial recognition or, you know, assess your personality um, via the computer. It's, you know, it's problematic for uh, people with darker skin tones. You know, the, the computer has a harder time reading, I guess, um, you know, the changes. So, you know, we're, we need to make sure that we're working in the right direction where we're eliminating bias um, mm -hmm. rather than introducing it. So, you know, just bringing scientific rigor to all of this, I think is, is you know, where IO can, can help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I agree with, with all of that. And kind of on the flip side of that coin, you touched on this maybe a little bit, but what are the biggest challenges that you see for IO moving forward? Well, you know, are we going to be replaced, you know, by algorithms and, and uh, you know, by the computer? And of course, the answer is, I hope not. Mm -hmm. um, because even, you know, if you talk about algorithms, you know, eliminating bias, let's say you're, you know, Indeed and your algorithm, you know, you have a physician that's recent college grads and you program in your algorithm, okay, we want um, the graduation year to read between 2020 and 2015 or something like that. Well, you've just introduced bias against older people who have, mm -hmm. who are applying for these positions. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the challenge, I think, is we need to make sure that um, we're holding these new kind of technologies accountable, um, that they are actually um, valid and um, you know, doing what they say they will do, and what they, what they say they will measure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, what advice do you have for students and young professionals, or really all professionals who are either getting their career started or going through a career change in the you know in the current climate? Don't miss an opportunity to network, because mm -hmm. you never know when you know, what event is gonna contain that one person who's gonna take your career in the direction that you want it to go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my example is that one Hofstra event that I went to is actually on the day I applied to the program. Uh, they had a panel discussion and I can't remember what the topic was, uh, but they had some consult consultants there and some, you know, internal people and I knew that I was interested in consulting even at that time. And so after I went up to the consultants on the panel and introduced myself and got their business card and uh, a few months later, I called them and asked about internships. And that's how I ended up getting my internship 
um, which is how I ended up getting my present job that I absolutely love. So Mm -hmm. if I had skipped that one event, I might not be working at Hogan right now. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's wild. So one, you know, we all have kind of different um, levels of sociability. And I know for some of us, going to network event is like, you know, going to get a root canal, you know, you just don't (laughs) want to do it and you just have to force yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. And I would just say, force yourself because it's worth the effort. A lot of people get their jobs based upon people that they know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the first thing is don't miss an opportunity to network, especially when you're in school or in the job hunt. Um, it's essential to go to everything that you can go to. And I think even, you know, when you're in an established career, you want to, you know, build and weave that, uh, that network so that, you know, if you ever do decide that you want to switch gears, that you have people that you can, you know, bounce ideas off of, who can point you in the direction of openings, um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my second piece of advice in this area is don't expect your first job to be your perfect job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of us pivot as our careers progress. So just make sure that you can learn something from your first job and know that if you don't like it, you don't have to stay with it forever. You can move on to something else. It's much easier to find another job when you're working, when you have a job already um, versus Mm -hmm. being unemployed. So, you know, don't be overly picky for that first job. Just make sure it's something that you can, you know, gain knowledge from and you know, progress your career forward, but it doesn't have to be the perfect job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice as well. Um, and yeah, and about networking, I mean, it's it's sort of a learned skill, right? I mean, especially when you're just getting started, it is uncomfortable to kind of go up to people that you don't know and introduce yourself and you know all of that. But once you start doing it a few times and you kind of get used to it and and maybe even learn to enjoy it, right? Yeah, it could be. And, you know, for the um, the shyer people among us, you know, maybe arming yourself with kind of a standard question or two, uh, you know, that you can ask someone in case you get nervous and, you know, forget about what you were going to say uh, might be the way to go. Um, mm-hmm. So a question like, you know, how long have you been involved in Metro if you're mm-hmm. going to the Metro event or if you're at PSYOP, you know, how long have you been coming to PSYOP or what's your favorite uh, presentation so far this year? You know, something like that. Just have a standard question that you can ask and and be your go-to so that you're ready. Yeah, it's great advice as well. Definitely. Um, fantastic. Well, this has been so much fun. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything that we haven't talked about so far that you'd like to mention or, or discuss before we go? I don't think so. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak with you, Jared, and thank you for asking. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for, for being here and joining us. And um, how can people listening get in touch with you besides, you know, when we're back in person next year, what's the best way to reach out and get in touch? So probably my Hogan email address. I'm not great about LinkedIn. I do look at it every once in a while, but if you want a quick response, email me at my Hogan address, which is K, the letter K, Mosier, M-O-S-I-E-R, at hoganassessments.com. And I will respond uh, quickly to that. And I would love to hear from anyone who has a question or a thought or anything. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you for joining us on the Metro podcast. My pleasure, Jared. Thank you. And thank you all again for joining us today on the fifth episode of the Metro podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to be a member or learn more about Metro, please visit us at www.metroappsych.com. That's www.metroappsych.com. Thanks again, and we hope you'll join us next time on the Metro Podcast. Thank you.